Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network. My name is Jake. I am the executive producer of this fine program, filling in on this first segment for a couple of minutes for David and Patrick. They'll be along here shortly to talk all things basketball. But let's start off this morning with the BYU football program. Some of you listening into this program, if you're up as early as I am, you're running on very short sleep. But nonetheless, BYU prevails in overtime, downing the Pepperdine Waves 82 two to 77 and let's be honest if you're going to lead for 12 seconds of regulation it might as well be the final 12 seconds of regulation give or take a tenth or two as BYU took the lead late Colby Ross hit a shot with no time remaining to push the game to overtime where BYU ended up rolling to the victory 82 to 77 now the Cougars have their biggest task in front of them as they face off for a third time against number one ranked Gonzaga that will be at the Orleans Arena tonight in Las Vegas 7 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN. A massive platform and just a massive, massive hill to climb if you're the BYU basketball program. I saw on social media last night that Gonzaga, after their win over St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference semifinals on their side of the bracket, it marks the 22nd straight game that they have won by double digits. It matches a mark put together by John Wooden's legendary UCLA teams in 1969. That should show you how dominant a run that Gonzaga is having this season. I know there are a lot of people who are naysayers because the West Coast Conference isn't necessarily as stout as some of the P6 conferences and college hoops, but we're seeing a dominant, dominant program. Uh, Speaking of the Gonzaga Bulldogs and BYU will have their work cut out for them if they want to spring an upset. But nonetheless, BYU will be in action tonight in the West Coast Conference Tournament Final. Once again, tip-off in that game set for 7 o'clock Mountain Time there in Las Vegas. And looking forward to seeing how the Cougars look as they square off against the Bulldogs for a third time this season. All right, coming up here in just a moment after the break, we're going to catch up with David Locke. DJMP got a chance to speak with him late last week. Of course, we've hit pause on the NBA season with the All-Star break here. David had some great big-picture thoughts on what the Jazz are doing. We'll get to that conversation a little bit later on in this hour. You're here from University of Utah men's basketball coach Larry Koskoviak. He joined DJ and PK yesterday, had some great thoughts on the Utes as they get ready for the Pac-12 tournament. That's all coming up here next on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK and I had a chance to talk with David Locke here on the All-Star break. Get his thoughts on the Jazz and the NBA. Here's David with PK and I. But yet we find out in terms of respect, winning isn't where it's at. What more could they do to get that respect? I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, kind of the most disappointing part of this, right? Like, and I don't, and I, and I'm, I, I'll admit, like, I'm a bit concerned of what they must be thinking, right? Like, they must be thinking, like, what else do I have to do? Like, and, and the, and the idea that Donovan 
I mean, you know, hey, was it conscious? Did it just happen? Was it just funny? I mean, who knows, right? I, I, I don't know what your guys' vibe on that is. Do you think that LeBron and Durant decided that these little pipsqueaks are, you know, moving into our territory and we'll they better, them. you know, shut up because it's going to be the Lakers versus Brooklyn and that's the way the world's supposed to be and we're not interested in having these guys, you know, claim that they're not getting the appropriate respect or getting the appropriate calls and trying to disrupt our system because this is what, you know, you know, we're, we're not interested in, in the third-party candidate, um, and they're the third-party candidate, so we're going to put them in our place. Like, was it a conscious effort last night? And that was their little humor amongst themselves, like you have when, you know, when you're, like, eighth-grade boys playing around and leaving someone out? Like, I don't know. Um, that's I guess that's up for, for everyone to just try to decide on themselves, or did it just kind of happen the way the draft goes? Like, Rudy's not that surprising. He's not per se, the way you would want an all-star. You know, he doesn't, it's not an all-star player, like all-star game player. He actually just wins. So, I mean, but it is, it's disappointing. Like, these guys have got it, like, they're not in a great mental state after the way they reacted on to the Philadelphia game, and then to have this be the next day, like, and the problem to me is that it's not about anything they've done. To your point, PK, it's all about where they play and where we live and what our market is. And that's everything Ryan's trying to overturn. Thank goodness he is trying because it's clear that that's you know, uh, still a pretty prevalent issue, both in the heads of the Jazz players, but also in the heads of every other player in the league. So I think it was pre-planned. I think they knew what they were doing. And they have their reasons for doing it. And... I think they did it mostly to entertain themselves because I think whether they do it or not, LeBron's, LeBron's planning on winning the NBA title. I mean, in that moment, the two of them can you know gang up on two jazz players who went off, and I expect will you know be fine for it. Um, but that's how LeBron's going to look at KD in a final. I mean, that's how he's going to look at everybody when the time comes. Right. It just happens he's focused on the Jazz right now, but that's literally how he looks at everybody in the league. And that's how he looks at his teammates the day the, before they become his teammates and the day after they're no longer his teammates. Because you don't get to where LeBron is if you don't look at other players that way. So I don't so what, think there so was any your, accident was guys, about it. What was your guys' take on this? What was your, like, I mean, I also wasn't watching. It's not something that was high on my list of, like, oh, I'm stopping my day to go watch it. So you hear about it afterwards which means that I didn't get that, like, real-time reaction, like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? Um, and that's the one that actually, like, in my, like, wonder how Donovan and Rudy are feeling because that's got to be the real-time. Um, well, it depends on whether they think that this was totally legit and they l- literally think they're the two worst players at the All-Star game, which I don't think they think. I think having already been to an All-Star game, they've already shown that. They're not the replacement guys who are added in. Uh, so if they sit back and think, hey, LeBron's trying to play head games with us getting ready for the playoffs, I think they'll take it differently than if they think, oh, this was serious and it was all planned, you know, this is actually how good we are. No, I think LeBron's playing head games before the playoffs. Why wouldn't okay. you? If you can, why wouldn't you? You but don't really need a, to because you're LeBron. Taking it as a compliment that, uh, that he actually might be a little concerned? Um, that would be one way you could. You could also take it as this guy's trying to bear us on TV. Bleep this guy. <laughs> Save it. Save it. Jordan, we know from watching the documentary, Jordan would have saved that for a playoff series. Or maybe for that two-game set they're going to have in April in L.A. Save it for that. 
LeBron's and, going to and, try to sweep it if they're healthy. And do you need, like, is that something that you need? Like, like I guess that's the one question I would have. Like, is do you, should you have to have that motivation for games like that? Is it really going to make a difference? I guess, you know, I was thinking about what you said there and seeing if PK wanted to jump in. You want to jump in, PK? I, I don't have an immediate answer that came to my head to where I could just say, I'm going to go down this road, I'm going to go down that road. And, and, and when I first heard about it, you know, I didn't put much stock into it. But then it's because I, I wasn't watching it live either. But then when I hear, oh, I want height, and I pick Sabonis, who's obviously tall, but if I want height... Then I'm going to pick Gobert. Was that an intentional slap in the face? I, I, I normally wouldn't think so, but I'm going down the road of yes. But the good thing, and Locke, you and I have had these discussions about how you know Hayward might have talk, thought, well, I'm never going to be able to achieve what I want. Now, you, you know these guys better than I do because I don't know them at all, actually. I just know them as ball players. But it seems to me that these two in particular – are going to use that to the benefit of the Jazz, not the detriment, which matters the most. Yeah, I would hope so. I, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to be the play-by-play announcer. Is just a total Pollyanna here, and like, and just says, "Oh, everything's great," and they'll use his motivation, and it's perfect. I just, I don't. And I apologize for that. If that's what people want out of me, it's not really what I've ever done in my 30 years of my career. So if you're expecting it today, you're probably chosen the wrong day. Um, but it doesn't feel great. Like they've done everything right. Like Donovan can't be a better person. Rudy can't be a better story in our minds. And yet they're still dealing with all this crap. It just feels really. Yeah, but maybe, feel good. maybe they're like, dealing, and, but maybe they're dealing with this crap because they're finally a threat. They didn't yeah, do it mean, last yeah. year. It would have been better to do this last year if you're just going purely on basketball value. They hadn't been in an all-star game before, but they were battling for the four, five, six spot, and they eventually ended up six, partly because they wanted to, and they weren't a threat. Now they're number one, and they think they're number one? Yeah, it might be dangerous. I mean, you're LeBron. You're thinking, well, if I have yeah. a whole team, that's the most important thing, and you'd probably be right about that. The second thing is, hey— I don't need any young guys coming for the crown. Let's knock them down a peg. And if that, if it doesn't feel good and that gets in the Jazz's head, then LeBron's won. Um, right. Yeah. No, that's right. Right. And if that's, that's the, there's the two approaches of how you're going to look at this is that they consciously saw the Jazz as a threat and so that they decided to use their power when they could to minimize them and make them feel, you know, little. Um, and the other is that, you know, we're just going to pick on Utah because that's what we do. Because Utah's, you know, Utah's that kid, and that kid gets picked on every day at school. Yeah, uh, rather than worrying about what LeBron and Durant are thinking or doing, I'm more concerned about what the Jazz players are thinking and doing. And unlike Hayward, who may have felt slighted, he had the free agency coming up. These guys don't. Gobert took it away by agreeing, and obviously with the restricted free agency, the Jazz have the opportunity to re-sign Mitchell. So these guys know that they're here for the next few years. So there's not that concern about, well, does he feel slighted enough to where he needs to run off to a bigger market, a la Hayward to Boston. That can't happen. So the good thing is that these guys – 
can make positives out of it. And we as a fan base don't have to worry about, well, they want out. Because they're not, they don't want out, and they can't go anywhere. And then with Ryan Smith aboard, it seems like from appearances on the outside, because I'm not on the inside, that he's going to do whatever he can. So this can be something that can work to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, I mean, I think maybe the frustration is that they've done so much well, and they're still dealing with this, right? Like they're really great. The franchise has been built well. There's been, um, you know, they've built a great team. They're playing the right way. They have a desirable head coach. They they have two young stars that are great teammates. I mean, everything's good, and yet you're still, why can't you just have it be good? Um, in the last, you know, 48 hours have been, you know, a pretty interesting frustration by these guys that was a lot more than about that night, the way I heard those quotes. That wasn't like that they had talked about it for five minutes before they went on. They you know, they, they clearly feel as though um you know, that they're that they're rolling that this is an ongoing issue that they don't get the respect they deserve and then this gets added on. Yeah, I get that part of it. And I'd be more concerned about Philly and the and the refereeing because if you think um, if you think that in any close game you're going to have to wear, I don't know what it is, two, three, four, five bad calls, and you got to overcome those, you're thinking, we got to beat everybody by 10? Because deep down you might be thinking, well, we could beat everybody, but we can't beat everybody by 10 four times. And that, I understand how that would get in their head. So if that is the problem, I kind of get it. Uh, but I think if you sit back and look at it and say, hey, LeBron didn't do this last year. Why is he doing it to you this year? You know, yeah, I think that's an interesting so, perspective. So I think I haven't talked about this with anyone yet. Like, so this is interesting to me because I, um, you know, it just happened and it, it yeah. And I kind of with PK like where my first reaction was like, who freaking cares? And then as the night went on, I was like, eh, gosh, maybe it does. Like, maybe I do care a little bit. Like, I, and I, then I. And and then I started to try to put myself in Donovan and Rudy's shoes using the Stephen Covey, you know, seven habits of highly effective people, view it from someone else's lenses. And it'd be really crappy to be sitting there last night, you know, excited to see where you go and then you become the brunt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, that sucks. What would Jordan do? Did you not, did America, or at least the sports viewing portion of America, just sit and watch a 10-part documentary because there was nothing else on? We all watched it. What would he do? We know the answer to that. Yeah, and that's true. But, like, we got two young guys that are still trying to establish themselves in the league and being second-time All-Stars and going to the All-Star game as the number one team in the league. This was, like, I think a really big, you know, last year was like, oh, my gosh, we're here coming coming of the experience. And, and this year I thought was really interesting that, like, it was never discussed for one minute, like, whether or not they're All-Stars. They're just established as perennial All-Stars. They're the number one team in the league. Like, I thought, you know, this could have – wasn't going to be like a coming out party, but they could have – and maybe this is your point, DJ, is that they had a chance to walk into Atlanta with a little strut, and maybe LeBron and Durant were like, we're not going to have that. Like, we're not going to have somebody else come in here with a little strut. This is – still CP3, Durant, LeBron show, and this is how this is going to work. And so maybe that's what it was all about. And that the, but, but clearly they don't get to have that experience the way I think in whether they ever openly thought it or in their heart of hearts that they were hoping to have, which is, hey, I'm here for the second straight year and now, now I belong. 
All right. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. If that's their line of thinking, I can understand that. But the reason why I view what happened in Philadelphia as a positive, a short-term negative, no question, but I appreciate the way that they both, and Rudy wasn't even supposed to speak, and he came out and said what he said, and we know what Donovan said, so be it. I support their right to say whatever. Fine them. I don't really care about that. They got the money to, it's not going to make a dent in their financial world. But the positive is that when we get to the postseason, everything is heightened. And because of what happened in Philadelphia and because of what they said afterward, to me, they are going to get a much fairer shake when it gets to the postseason because the league cannot allow that to happen to a small market team. So the league is going to protect itself because its integrity is at stake. And even though the world, I agree with you, wants LeBron and Durant and New York City, Brooklyn versus Los Angeles, I completely agree. The league can't afford to have that anointed. It has to, if it plays out, so be it. So I view what happened in Philly when it gets to the postseason as to the Jazz's benefit in terms of getting as much of a fair shake as you can get. What you really need right now, David, is you need someone like Mark Cuban, who's been around now, and I know he's a wild guy when he came in, but I think he's viewed a little differently now, to say to the league, yeah, I get the TV contract is coming up, and yes, we will negotiate off the ratings, but we got such a good thing going now, we've got way more to risk by having this perception out there than we have to gain by actually getting the Lakers versus the Nets. If the Lakers versus the Nets earn it, so be it. But there can't be any hint of us messing around. The NBA is not where it was in 1985. If indeed the NBA was messing around then, well, you know, the games are on tape delay in the early 80s and the finals, and we know all those stories, right? Right now, the league is really successful internationally, and it looks like the arrow is still pointed up. So someone like Cuban needs to say, there can't be any hint any hint, we have way more to lose than we have to gain. And if there's one thing owners understand, it's money. They ought to understand that. And I think the thing that jazz players have to understand is this is going to be a lot harder. Yes, you've got good people doing things the right way, and that's not enough. You need it, but you need more than that. You need an edge. You're taking something that other people want. You're taking something other people have devoted their whole lives to getting, and they are wildly talented, too. You think LeBron doesn't want a fifth title? It matches magic. He's in L.A. You bleep and bet he wants that fifth title. You think he wants a sixth title to match Jordan? You think he wants a three-peat because he doesn't have one and Jordan does? You think he doesn't want to be the GOAT? Yeah, he does. Absolutely. you got to take that from him. He's giving you nothing. And so they got to be prepared for that. That's a high bar. Yesterday, um, PK jumped me because I just dismissed the chance that the Jazz would play the Sixers in the finals. And I dismiss it because there's two teams who've never been to a conference final. I get individual guys have, you know, Conley has. But as a group, these teams have not been to a, a conference final. And you're asking them to, to win there and then get to the finals and look who they have to get. You think Durant doesn't want a title? Durant was happy-go-lucky when he came into the league, but he's been beaten down. He's been disappointed. He thinks ownership has let him down. When he went to the Warriors and said, I'll give stuff up because I just want to win a title, he got criticized for it. He wants a title so badly right now. He couldn't even smile halfway through that All-Star game because he's thinking about how bad he wants a title. You're going to have to take it from him, and you're going to have to take it from LeBron, and that's going to be so hard. And the Jazz and the Sixers kind of know it, 
but they don't completely know it. And they're going to have to figure it out on the fly, and that's going to be hard, and they might do it. But don't underestimate how hard this is going to be. Don't underestimate what you're trying to take away from these guys. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> Every once in a while. Now? I mean, that was that was you at your best right there. I got nothing to say. I just think we should put that on tape and replay it. That was All right. Well, I mean, play, it, play, it for, play it for Donovan and uh, Rudy. And play it for Joe. That's what they were up against. That is what they're up against. And PK, this is where PK's right to dismiss what I say. Because I know it because I've watched it for decades. And I was watching in games, and I've kind of learned it over time, watching all these generations of players. But these guys are in their 20s and 30s. And PK was like, don't go off on these guys in a podium. They're, they're 24 or 28. How can they know? You know? And... I've watched this with Magic and Bird because I'm old enough to remember that. And I watched it with uh, Bird and Isaiah Thomas, and then with Magic and Isaiah, and then with the, uh, you know, the whole Jordan rules thing. They weren't gonna, Jordan had to take it. They weren't going to let him have it. They wanted a three-peat real bad, and he took it. And, and Donovan wasn't alive. How, Donovan wasn't alive. You know, you could see in his tweets when he watched that documentary, he was, he was soaking it all in. But it's not the same. You saw it, and I saw it. It's different. All right. You know, PK, you know when, like, yeah. the veteran player goes back into, like, their bag of tricks and, yeah. like, they're yeah. 36, but they yeah, drop yeah, yeah. 50 still? Sure. Like, yeah, they gotcha. still have it? Yeah. We just witnessed that <laughs> in person. <laughs> I'm Chris Paul, and I found Booker. But, man, I like, had to grab a couple people out by the jersey. I'm lying down right out now. Of the way. <laughs> I mean, that... That was can I? That was strong right there. I tell you what, I think you got a future in this business. <laughs> okay, well we'll see how it works out. Okay. All right, David, thanks for coming on. Bye. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. There's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. They're back at it Friday night. The Utes play tomorrow night against Washington. Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. The Utes wrapping up the regular season. They are headed off to the Pac-12 tournament. They got a blowout win over Arizona State, and they will face Washington in the first round of the tournament. Larry joins us now. Larry, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. So I'm curious, uh, there are so many things to ask you, and you know the history of Utah basketball. You're a big part of it now, with about a decade under your belt up there, and you, you played for the Jazz and coached in this part of the country. And I'm curious, obviously the last three years have been hard. They've probably been hard on you and all that, and you're trying to change things. What's the what are one or two things you're trying to change about the program to get them back to you know, where you were with DeLon Wright in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, this is an interesting time for us. We're not, 
we're not thinking long term here right now. We're trying to get to the Pac-12 tournament and figure out a way to beat Washington. Um, that's where all of our focus is, and, and we're trying to play forward rather than uh, you know taking a look back. So um, you know maybe end of the season I'd be better equipped to answer that type of question. But um, I think more importantly is is staying present. We've uh, we've played with everybody. We've had nice leads against everybody in our conference, one through 11. Uh, and now we need to bottle it up at a special time of year when everybody heads down to Vegas and see if we can play some consistent basketball and win some games. And then obviously off season, we jump into recruiting and player development. But um, right now we're we're ready to grind. Larry, you hit the very word that I was going to use, consistent. It's hard for me to give complete and total evaluations for any team this year with COVID being as strange as it was and the in-and-out nature of the season. But nevertheless, games were played, scores were kept, and as I watch your games, really moments and extended moments of brilliance, as you've said. How do you channel that to find that consistency? Because it's clear that the talent is there and stretches to be very good yeah you know and it's um i don't want to talk about it's not a youth thing um but at times that's a part of it you know having having some freshmen on the floor that need to be solid uh i just watched you know i watched our game at washington uh, we had a 12 point lead with four minutes to go in the first half sharing the ball, making great plays. And it really comes down, you know, and I think this time of year I shared it with our guys in pregame on Saturday. Um, sometimes everybody wants to analyze and, and coaches and players and want like one big answer of how do we find more consistency. And as I look back on all of these previous games where we lose leads or where you build a 10-point lead, there's always a correlation in that. And it's, it's a matter of doing the proverbial little things more often and consistently than the other team. You know, obviously you have to knock down a shot. You have to make your free throws. But you have to block out on possessions. Back to the Washington point, we had a 12-point lead. And we have three straight possessions um, where we missed good shots, open shots, a couple of layups actually. And then when you make a decision to jog back on defense because you're carrying some of the offensive frustration with the inability to make that layup, and then they whap down three threes, you know, in the last four minutes heading into – that's not rocket science. That's just let's stick with uh, doing all those little things. It starts with the effort to get back and communicate and be in a stance. And really, that's how most of these games go. If you can find that consistency – regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, to make the right play, make the game, the play that the game presents to you. We've had turnover issues at times, and I think those are uh, from trying to hit home runs when we should probably just be advancing runners and hitting singles. And um, So it's not a mystery to our team. It really isn't because we've, we've had enough sample size. We've had enough data, a lot of the ups and downs and if there's ever a time to put it together it's right now and i think the consistency comes in just being steady and consistent with the approach of the next possession and that's going to give us a chance to advance and maybe win some games and that's probably the big key and when you talk about win some games does this feel like a good draw for you because you did split with both these teams and you've beaten them both 
Well, I think you always have to be careful about that. I mean, that's a fair question. Um, you know, certainly, uh, if you look at history, we've struggled with Oregon. We've hit Oregon in the tournament when they seem to be clicking on all cylinders. So knowing that, that they're not in the first couple games, I mean, but you have to be careful what you wish for. Um, there's always going to be some teams that put it together at the right time. I think we've got a half a dozen or seven teams that are heading into this Pac-12 tournament that understand the only way they're going to the NCAA tournament is by winning this thing. So, you know, you're going to have different levels of inspiration. You've probably got four or five teams that would just as soon have Selection Sunday here so that they don't have to go to Vegas and be in a bubble and risk getting COVID and potentially screwing up their NCAA tournament. So I think it's unlike any other year, there's a lot of moving factors, and and uh, again, I, you know, not coach speak, but we just gotta we gotta see who it is we're playing next. Um, do a little bit of prep work for USC. Should we beat Washington and take this baby one step at a time? And then if you're gonna get lucky and have a few bounces go your way, hopefully we've earned them. You know, by by approaching it the right way, and we have an opportunity to get as hot as anybody else does in this league right now, and we're confident that we can do that. I've heard coaches say, as far as youth, it's not what you want. Majerus used to say that uh, freshmen were just uh, four years removed from being in the eighth grade. He'd try to put it in perspective there when I was covering him, working for the newspaper. And I've heard coaches say, you want to get old and you want to stay old. Dave Rose talked about what he called the program players. That wasn't the top-level stars, but they were the role guys who knew exactly what you needed them to do, and then they can execute it and right. my thought for you that's been a little bit of a problem because guys like uh gotch and others when you're getting them in the position where they can really contribute maybe a little bit better than what their talent level is because of their knowledge and experience they take off how difficult is it for you and everybody else really in college basketball because it's not particular to you but to re-recruit your guys basically so they stay so you can get old yeah, I mean, you, 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 uh, you hit it on the head. You know, I, I, uh, you can't control, you know, what's in people's minds. And we try to deal in truths around here, tell the truth. Uh, you know, I think if, if uh, anybody were to interview Booth right now and, and know what's going on at Minnesota and the lack of opportunity and different things, everybody makes mistakes. You know, that's undoubtedly a mistake. It was a bad move. Uh, but there's enough people in other people's ears and telling them, you know, uh, and it creates disenchantment and guys want to go and try something else. And, and this is a shining example of that not being a good decision. We can't control that. What I, what I feel really fortunate about is that we have uh, a young man in our program named Pella Larson and a young man in our program named Ian Martinez that are freshmen, that are growing, that are cut of the right stuff. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. And if, if somebody doesn't think this is the right place for them, um, you know, then that, that's going to be their decision. But I feel really confident after having been here for 10 years that we're going to continue pushing guys. Guys are going to have an ability to reach their potential. Uh, no, no, you're not going to get to play 40 minutes and play a position that you want to play because you think that's your position. We're going to, we're going to try to win games and do things uh, with the program as our number one priority. And we will continue to do it, you know, to do that as we uh, move forward. So it's, uh, 
it's a shame the way it is, the way the, the game is, but um, we'll just keep grinding. How about that? Yeah. So you mentioned some of the guys on your roster, and you look at your roster, and you fans are used to seeing guys from Utah and California and Arizona. And you have guys from Utah and California and Arizona. But yeah. Sweden, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Senegal, Jamaica, Finland, uh, are you going to continue to have an international flavor going forward? Are you going to accelerate that a little more? Uh, what are you thinking? No. Well, uh, hey, look, the, the world uh – basketball is uh the world is is figuring it out it's um it's not all soccer anymore and i think when you look at an nba draft and you see 10 to 15 people uh from around the world that nobody's ever heard of and you see some of the successes uh in the nba of these international players there's a it's it's a positive culture in europe you know kids grow up and they're coached and and taught properly there's a high skill level we've got a couple more international kids joining us next year so it's not going to be the only you know it's uh it's part of a program but the the world is is creating and and basketball is is flowing all over and i think we've done a nice job established the niche when you go back to the bogats and the hano medalas and uh, this is a, a really great school for international students. We've got a lot of international students, and I think culturally the city fits a lot of people. So, yeah, we'll continue to do that. But, uh, you know, Utah is very important as well, and certainly the the West, uh, the states you mentioned, California and Arizona, and that that will remain in our, in our, uh, in our grasp, and we're going to keep striving to find the best players that we can. What's Jones' status going to be for the tournament? Uh, well, he's making improvements. We're not not really sure. It's a it's a day to day deal, and we just finished a coaching meeting this morning, and it's improving. But um, you know, there's never going to be any pressure on us, and I think we all know Ryland well enough to know that if he's if he's close, uh, he's a tough son of a gun. Uh, what's been difficult is is keeping him from diving on the floor. You know, when you have a shoulder the way he re-injured it again, there's certain things that are in his in his gene pool and his DNA on loose balls that he uh, you know he gave himself up as an injured player, and that ended up you know torquing his shoulder again. So it's really hard. It's really hard to you know tell a kid not to take a charge and not to dive on the floor. Uh, but you know we're we're hoping certainly and praying and and uh, you know trying to keep Ryland in good spirits and I'm curious I haven't had a chance to uh, to visit with him this morning but we're we're getting ready to do some COVID testing before we head out to Vegas and I'm hoping that uh, that things have improved a little bit for him he could be a key ingredient obviously for for the success of our team. Anybody who remembers watching you play knows that uh, you were an energetic guy who played with an intense edge. And you didn't, I don't think, you needed many outside motivators to get you to play like that. But I'm curious <laughs> playing in empty gyms. That was an understatement. Nice laugh, right? Uh, but I'm curious playing in empty gyms, and especially, and we had Steve Cleveland on, he brought this up, that it's yes, it's March Madness, but the fans and the energy cascading out of the stands 
is a big part of the madness. And I'm yeah. wondering how much you're seeing with your own team and with opposing teams, how much you're seeing games impacted by these no crowds or small crowds, because it's it's not the same. It's clearly not the same. And it shouldn't yeah. matter, but it often does. And what are you seeing? Well, I think, number one, there's a little bit more parity. There, there's probably more road wins. I haven't looked at any data, but but I know that we sure could have used the Huntsman Strong and the Faithful to help us get through a couple of those. Uh, you know, the Colorado, the Oregon, the Oregon State, when you kind of need that boost to get you over the top. So it's probably leveled the playing field. I think everybody plays the game um, for a different reason. You know, you mentioned my, my days as a player. For me, basketball was was an escape from a lot of things that were going on in my life that uh, you could kind of put on a, a, a different mask and go be something. And, you know, I found a lot of, uh, I found a lot of uh, value because it, it helped me with my identity. Like I was, I was a basketball player and I tried to play like every practice or game was the last one. And, and, you know, I think what you're seeing is if you're, if you're intrinsically motivated and you're playing the game for the right reasons, a lot of, you know, and the crowd does make a difference, but you don't need the crowd to get you going. And I think what it's done is, um, you know, made everybody take a look at themselves for, you know, what, what it is they're playing for. They've got people at home that maybe aren't able to come to a game, maybe loved ones that they've lost, whatever the motivation is. And the, the playing field is equal. Both, both teams are lacking that. Even when you're on the road, it's fun to have a, you know, there's been some games this year when we've gone on the road, and I miss certain fans. There's fans at Oregon, and there's fans at Arizona that over the ten years you you almost create a relationship with that are, you know, that give you a little something and make you want to be a little better and and the heckling and the different things. But uh, it's a challenging time for our guys. I, I do think what's great is we've recently added some fans. Uh, you know, there will be a hundred, hundred tickets given for each team at the PAC 12 tournament. So it's not going to be as empty as it was back in November or December. And I think as important as anything is our guys, you know, with the television, it's still, um, this is the time of year. It's magical because it's being watched across the country. And we all, the one thing we all know is that we're getting close to the finish line. You know, the needles are going in people's arms and the days are getting longer and the weathers and the rates are dropping. So I think everybody has a little bit of energy knowing that we've persevered and made it through a really tough year. And now is the time of year that you want to be clicking and putting it all together. So there's a, some positive things that are happening, I think, that help um, overcome some of the lack of, of you know, packed arenas. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll find some of that enthusiasm. You talk about how you played as it was your last game. It must be in the Christobiak DNA because I had a neighbor who played at Brighton a couple years ago as a senior, and your son was on that team. And I would go to the games to watch him play, and I'd watch you'd be there, and I'd watch your son. He's much shorter than you, but I love the way the kid played because he played all out on every single possession. So it's clearly something in that DNA with your last name, I guess. How do you get that to go? in some of your guys now who maybe that, that they don't necessarily have it. And I'm not saying that Carlson is a loafer by any stretch, but it looks like he's got a world of talent. Yeah. And how do you get him to just take that mindset that you had when you played? And I saw your kid have it in high school when he played. 
Well, I think you can coach it to some degree. You know, the the effort and the edge and and um, one one of my favorite sayings with our team is it's really hard to beat somebody that never gives up. And our guys hear that a lot. And I, you know, it, it's just it's just uh, that next play mentality. I think we we watch film so guys can see when they're lacking that. Sometimes you don't know what you look like. Uh, and how, how much more you can bring to the table, um, you know. And you got to recruit some guys that are like that. It, it's it's uh, it's like raising kids. You know, sometimes uh, you know raise, raising the son you're talking about. You feel like you have to put the you have to put the uh, bridle on them a little bit and be pulling them back. And and I've always said I would rather have to try to you know, slow somebody down and get them to withdraw and, and slow down and not play so hard than trying to kick somebody in the butt to get them excited. And it's always a fine line. But I, I do believe that the as much as the mental skill uh, is, a pay, is a part of the game, just like the shooting skill or the passing skill, we're, we're teaching them all those skills while they're here at Utah. But I also believe we can teach them how to grind and, and fight through some tough times. Uh, and that's a process. That's like going in the weight room, tearing your muscles down. And if you come back again when you're really sore, all you're doing is getting stronger. And it's, it's not comfortable. It's not fun when you're aching. It's not fun when you're beat up. And you're... But same thing goes with the mental aspect. You know, there's some days you don't feel like working. Well, are, are you going to come back and, and break through some thresholds that maybe you didn't think you could get through before? So that's a skill that we try to we try to improve, and we've got to get dialed in. This is that time of year it, when we lose. Now we're done, and so um, you know this is the end of the fight. And let, let's make sure uh, that if we're going down, that we're going to go down swinging. And our and our players will understand that loud and clear. And the more you can get uh, unified with that thought, I think the better chance you have to win some games. So you mentioned a couple things there about, you know, the mental attitude and all that. And, and I'm curious with your players, you know, it's different with fans because they ride the roller coaster. They have no control over it and they're invested and, you know, they go nuts. There have been some encouraging wins and then just some heartbreaking losses here. Have you had to buck this team up a little bit? Do kids let this stuff roll off their back? How's your team mentally right now? Well, well, I think I think we're okay. Uh, I would be concerned if we were, if we were like trying to play darts with the blindfold on, you know, like it, we really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing, and <laughs> let's just go roll the dice and see what happens. But you can watch any one of our games. Uh, I've watched them multiple times. If you want to watch. You know, okay, we didn't feel good about getting beat at home the other night by Oregon State. Well, guess what? It's not a mystery. If you if you rebound a little bit harder and we don't give up 24 points uh, on second shots and you can block out on two missed free throws that they scored baskets on, we probably win. So it, we've got, again, we've got this long movie that we've watched. And, and believe me, we watch film after every game. Our guys watch film when we'll beat Arizona and what it looks like when it's good and what it looks like when it's bad. So going into this, this is the talk uh, talk is cheap kind of year, uh, time of year. You know, we can sit down and talk about all of it or you guys can just 
bring up your memory banks and know that we've got to do a lot of these elements. You got to take care of the ball. You got to rebound. You got to share it. And guess what? When you when you're open, you got to make it. And I mean, we've been shooting ninety percent from the free throw line the last. If Colorado wasn't about to break uh, the all-time NCAA record, we'd be knocking on the door of that. So there's some good things that are happening. Let's just piece it all together. And so our guys aren't suicidal and worried. You know, it's 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 uh, it is right before us. And if everybody does their part and plays their role, and things come together, we can be successful. So there. You know, it's it's not one of those seasons where anybody's thrown in the towel and, and wants to move on. And so I think mentally everybody should be in a pretty safe place right now. And we had a really good – it was a lot of fun on Saturday watching guys that haven't played a lot of minutes go out and do their thing. And the guys on the bench, unbelievably supportive. We recognize some seniors and Donnie Daniels. So, you know, this isn't a victim time. You know, this this year's killed a lot of people. It's unemployed a lot of people. We've just played 19 out of our 20 conference games, which I never would have guessed. So, you know, let's say bad for bad. that we're, we're going out to play a game in the best time of the year in March Madness. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really disappointed if I found out that anybody on our team is not in a good mental place because – uh, th- this has been this has been pretty uh, positive, and there's been a lot of good things to take. And now let's go, let's go make sure we really have a good taste in our mouth and do this thing the right way. Coaches essentially are teachers at heart. When have you found is the best time to teach the principles that you're trying to get across to your players? Oh, uh, you know what? There's there's opportunities, sometimes hidden little gems. I wouldn't say, you know, obviously when you're going into a team meeting with an agenda, uh, a film session, there's key points that you have to get across, but sometimes it's as simple as in an airport. Um, you know, the, the words, the positive things in our culture, we try to, we try to keep them alive on a daily practice plan and recognize and, and reward and award guys when, when things are being done well. I, I just don't think that you can pick and choose. I think those, those windows open themselves and there's an opportunity for some teaching along the way, sometimes almost in a whisper mode and sometimes in your face mode. And, um, it, that's one of the coolest parts about this job. You know, I think players at this level are obviously good basketball players, but there's a lot of things you can help teach them about life in general and things that are going to be with them the rest of their life. And, and that's one of the, the, the most rewarding parts when I hear back from the Jordan Leverages and the Brandon Taylors and the DeLon Wrights and those guys, Kyle Kuzma, and they're actually using slogans um, and, you know, wanting to be reminded of certain things that we talked about here as inspiration. That, that's absolutely priceless. And so those, those opportunities we try to take full advantage of whenever we can. Larry, we appreciate a few minutes. We'll be watching you in the Pac-12 tournament against Washington on Wednesday, and we would love to talk to you about some of the big picture stuff, so hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime in the offseason. That sounds great, guys. Thanks, man. There's Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, West Coast Conference tournament, semifinals, BYU and Pepperdine, next. Stay with us.